Psalm 91. Who's the author of Psalm 91? Don't know. He says David. Orphan Psalm. Mr. Mr. Bromick's voting for David. Guess how many psalms there are that are orphan psalms out of 150? 48. 48. David, 73 to 75. Asaph, 12. Sons of Korah, 11. Heman, 1. Solomon, 2. Moses, 1, perhaps 2. Ethan, something, the something or another, 1. So there is the psalms, and they are such a wonderful Wonderful thing to, to go through, and if I get my glasses here, we'll be ready to start. Okay. If you're listening online, I apologize for that. Uh, forgot my glasses. There we go. Psalm 91, 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, or dwelling place, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation." One of the most majestic psalms, comforting psalms there is. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. Orphan psalm is simply one we don't know. The human author, question one. Question two, two primary possibilities, Moses and David. Very good. Moses and David, possibly Hezekiah, possibly Nathan. Uh, How many songs of degrees are there? Fifteen. Numbers 120 to 134, three human authors. Uh, who conveniently uses Psalm 91, 11, and 12 in a wrong context? In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, El Diablo, see, uh, Satan, the, uh, tempting Jesus. By the way, lest you think those three temptations were all it was, it was 40 days and nights of tempting. Those three were like the culmination of 40 days of testing. I tell you, our Lord passed every single test with Perfect marks. That's the Lord we serve. Uh, regarding the Septuagint, Septuagint uh, the first translation of Scripture known to man, I believe, the three Roman numerals that represent it are LXX, 50, 60, 70. It's the 70. LXX, there were 
According to tradition, 72, six of each tribe who did the translating. The year of its formation, does anyone know? 250 B.C. 250 B.C. That was during the 400 what? Silent years between the Testaments. It's a translation of what? Hebrew, Old Testament, Hebrew into Greek. Remember, the Greek language had become more into play. Hebrew was going off the scene. Greek was coming on the scene. And would the disciples have had access to the Septuagint? Yes, absolutely. That was the Bible, the New Testament era. It was. Translated during, again, those 400 silent years. Number one in your outline, then, we're still probably the bottom of page one. The experience of the secret place, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you remember, regarding the author, Jewish doctors would say, if it doesn't have an author, go back to the previous psalm, and that would be the author. So Moses very likely could be the author, or David. I think those are the two strong candidates as the author. It was Campbell Morgan who said, this psalm is one of the greatest possessions of the saints. Another man said, it is one of the most excellent works of this kind, which has ever appeared. It is impossible to imagine anything more solid, more beautiful, more profound, or more ornamented. And so this is a beautiful psalm, as you well know. We just read through the entire psalm. I was thinking about, as I was, uh, today... You can't outbeat Scripture. Scripture is the best thing. That's, that's what we're here to study. And so just pausing to read a psalm like that is so encouraging, I think. Uh, the Septuagint, of course, it was the, a landmark of antiquity, the translation of the Hebrew Scriptures into the Greek language. So experience the secret place, the bottom of one, top of two now. This is actually called by many the soldier's psalm. Is for those who are in the army of the Most High. It says there, in one, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, El Elyon, uh, Elyon, if you would, meaning possessor of heaven and earth over all the earth. It's the first mention of his name for God found in Genesis. It found in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. We find there those verses in Genesis 14. You can turn or listen. Genesis 14, 18. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 says for us, and in Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave them tithes of all. And so Warren Wiersbe says that he is the higher than the kings of the earth and the false gods of nation. He is infinitely higher than any singular or all human beings put together, if you want. In World War I, the 91st Brigade, interesting, the 91st Brigade recited the 91st Psalm every day, and no doubt it brought peace and comfort to the hearts of those who were genuine believers. In World War II, people were given, or soldiers were given, what was called the Heart Shield Bible, which fits snugly in the pocket and covers the heart. There's a story from Michael Guido, he learned, that an army lieutenant and his buddy were sent on an important, dangerous mission Suddenly, the enemy appeared. The lieutenant prayed, Lord, the responsibility is now yours. A blast from the enemy struck him in the chest and bowled him over. His comrade thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Later, that man said, my buddy thought I was dead and was amazed when I tried to get up. Dazedly, I took my Bible from my shirt pocket over my heart Silently, I looked at the jagged hole in the cover. A bullet had ripped through the 91st Psalm and stopped at the verse, which reads, A thousand shall fall at thy side, but it shall not come nigh thee. 
just a coincidence. Yes. In profound gratitude, the soldier said, I prayed, Lord, thank you, precious Lord. And so it was a, a gratitude for that. But there is a lot of fear. I was just listening to Tom Roten uh, this morning, and the guy caller said, quoting, there's such a proliferation of fear, it is alarming. Regarding America, such a proliferation of fear, it is alarming. Now, what are some fears, perhaps question seven, that you or maybe someone else might have? What are some fears I have put down? Pain, future, death, financial loss, grandchild's future, health, etc. There's a lot of things we might, if we're not careful, fear. I was asked this past Sunday, I believe it was, uh, will God remove fear in heaven? I believe that he will because the Bible says uh, God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. I was thinking back today as I was uh, thinking about this at work, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, if you remember that Adam and Eve were having a grand old time until they sinned, and in verse 10, and he said, I heard the voice in the garden and I was afraid. I think fear is part of, you may not agree, I think it could very well be part of the fall that we have, because I think they were pretty much content before they fell, but now fear, well we know somewhere, I can't give you the verse, but the dread of mankind was put on the animals, was it not? There's somewhere in the Bible that says the dread of mankind, I can't get you that verse off the top of my head, but there's a verse like that. So fear I think is going to be something of the past once we get to heaven. Oh, there's a lot of phobias, a matter of fact, there are, someone said, 700 phobias or fears across. Now, people fear uh, snakes, flies, rats, lizards, uh, lions, bats. Some people fear a garden hole or a shovel handle. Some people fear that. Uh, a different, uh, a different, I'm sorry, it's a different fear. Uh, acrophobia. I honestly had a dream two nights ago was I, when I was in the laying on the floor, and I was looking up at this sign that was some like an a, like a, a Exxon sign, and it was so stupendously high. And I was just shaking, feared. And I said, oh, I'm, thank you, Lord, I don't have that job because I could not do that job way up though. And I can dream and be fe- have fear of heights in my dreams. So I guess I have this thing called acrophobia. Claustrophobia, we know what that is, a close spacious. Ergophobia, the fear of work. Demophobia, the fear of crowds. Gamophobia, the fear of marriage. And phobophobia, the fear of fear. According to the People's Almanac, the number one fear, glossophobia. Glossary, fear of speaking exactly in public. The fear of speaking in public is supposedly now the number one fear uh, in America. Now, Adolescents have fear, adults have fears, older adults have fears, uh, children have fears. We all have different fears that we might come in contact with. Romans says in Romans 8, 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So I don't, I can almost say with certainty, God does not want us to be fearful. He wants us to be trusting that we are, that's this whole psalm. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the all, you know, shall abide under the secret. He that dwelleth with God all the time is going to have this wonderful relationship. Brian Bell says, now what are some of the safest places, if we're going to be safe though from fear, perhaps a bomb shelter, a bank vault, a, pri- a prison like Alcatraz, safe panic rooms, storm shelters, they all are places to keep people in if you would. We have our small cat in the bathroom upstairs right now because he got his surgery today. 
which you know what that means for cats at five months or whatever he is. And the other cat was trying to beat, was slapping him because he didn't like the smell they had now. And so we're keeping the little cat in a, I won't say a bomb shelter, but we're keeping him in a shelter away from the other cats. So when we get home, he's still in one piece. But people run to a lot of places. They, they run perhaps to a bar to escape fear or unhealthy uh, relationships uh, behind gambling. They hide behind uh, being alone or shopping or seeking out some great variety of hiding places. Perhaps the porn industry. They hide behind a lot of things to escape fear. And question eight then, tying all in with that, to alleviate fear, what do people use for security? Savings, IRAs, state Funded retirement accounts, government investments, firearms. I have a firearm in my, out there in the truck. I have a firearm in the car, firearm by the bed, firearm here, firearm. You know, and the guy I work with has a lot of firearms. And so he can, he, he's, he's pretty well versed on firearms and, and tell me what, why I'd want that one or not want that one, etc. And so that's, people do that. But really the only place that we're going to find absolute safety He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is it. It's interesting, I was just listening to a video a couple days ago, how in North Korea, when King Jong-un decided he wanted a princess, he found this woman who was an entertainer. So in order to not have any kind of conflicts, he killed all the people who was with her orchestra and killed, I believe, everybody had been a suitor in the past. And she's under this most restrictive, while he can be a profligate person with hundreds, dozens and dozens of women, she has to be very careful. And she's under this, all this scrutiny because she is the princess of Korea. If you, go to, you can go to Korea and you can study, but you're going to have, to have 1,500 hours of study of the Kim family. 1,500 hours of studying this emperor family. Uh, and so hardly very many people take advantage of that. But we, we live in America. We, we don't, an amazing place it is. I know we got problems. We have problems. But the safety is not found in a country, a person, a, a human being. It's found in God. And so experience the secret place, if you would. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I read Tozier, whose name is actually is Aidan Wilson Tozier said, did you ever stop to think that God is going to be as pleased to have you with him in heaven as you are to be there? I have never thought about that. That God is going to be as pleased to have you in heaven as you are to be there. I can't fathom that in my mind. I I believe it's true, but I just know me. And I I just know me, and I'm just not that lovely of a person that he would want to be with me. And I know my wife's put up with all my, my shenanigans for however long, 38 plus years. But I, do you see what I'm saying? He, he's God. And that he would want, and isn't it amazing that he'd want to be with us? That's, that's blows my mind, if you want to call it that. Spurgeon says on page three of your outline, I believe, every child of God looks forward to the inner sanctuary and the mercy seat, yet all do not dwell in the most holy place. They run to it at times and enjoy occasional approaches, but they do not habitually reside in the mysterious presence. And to the secret place, those only come who know the love of God in Christ Jesus, and those only dwell there to whom to live is Christ. 
So for what is it for me to live? What is really important? Today I just want to describe the audit call. We have audit problems, and I've got to get this thing done first thing in the morning. I've got to hit it real hard. I've got till noon to get my report turned in to the commissioner. So i got those things to do first thing in the morning. I'm glad my computer class got canceled down at Olive Hill, so I will have time to get that project completed. You may you wonder, why did she cancel it today? Well, a couple hours later, praise the Lord, she canceled the class for tomorrow, so I have time now to get my project done before noon. So what are these promises for? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Are they for everybody? Are they for all believers? Are they for those who simply visit the secret place now and again when they're in deep trouble? Or is it for those who every once, every fifth Sunday on the odd years do come to church? Or for those promises for those who run to the Lord only when there's danger? Or is it those promises for those who dwell in his presence? He concludes by saying, yep, for the dwellers, not just the visitors. And that's, that's it. If you want to have peace with God, I can tell you, there is no way around time with God. You have got to let what he says infiltrate your body and, and your spirit. Do fish drink water? Did you read that devotion? Anybody else read the devotion? Do fish drink water? Yes, they do. They have to drink water because they have no other choice. They've got, it, it goes through all the different, it explains it better than I do, but they actually do drink water. It's like if you're going to be in the world... You can't be in the world without getting a little bit of that on you for the most part. Now, we're not supposed to do that. And this is, the, now trying over to this, if you want to not be Jesus found on you, you've got to be in the book. You can't simply not ignore the Bible and become a, a biblical a theologian of extraordinary caliber. And so I know, Pastor, it seems like you're the same, you've been harping on the same thing for the last, I have been probably will continue doing that, is we've got to be people of the book. Keep reading. Keep growing. Uh, David Cooper, who is an Israelite commentator, said, Anyone, Jew or Gentile, can flee to God for refuge and can dwell under the shadow of the Most High. God will protect him. And, even, and everything that comes into his life will be designed for his own good, even though at time the person may not be able to understand how God can work things out for his good. And I'm reading just a little excerpt from this book called Beyond Suffering by Dr. Talbert. Listen to this. The fourth reason for not attributing Job's lament to a lack of revelation, and thereby rejecting it. Anyway, here's it. Job finally found peace and resolution, not by receiving new truth, but by understanding and appropriating truths he already knew. Suffering tests and tempers our faith in what we already believe, and transfers truth from impersonal theory to personal reality. The issue is not how much we know, the issue is how much and how deeply we really believe what we know, even when the appearances argue to the contrary. It's not how much you know. How much do you really believe what you know? Do you really believe that God has your best interests at heart? I'm sure, I'm not trying to pick up, Amanda, last, you have been through a lot the last four weeks. And yet she texts me and says, God has a plan for this. And, God's gonna, and, and God has seen you through this. And he has watched over Ian. And, and, and all of you, probably, Mr. Bill's got to get his truck fixed. God's going to watch over him and see him through all that. 
I mean, hopefully it get warmer tomorrow. By the way, did you know that you cannot put a motor together if it's under 40 degrees because the thing that seals it together will not seal under 40 degrees. I've known that for an hour. I've known that for a little longer than an hour now. So pray for warmer weather so Bill can get his motor back together and get his truck on the road. All these things, you know the thing. If you just would apply the things you already know, you, that you really, do you really believe what God has said in his word? Yes. I'm continuing on from Mr. Cooper. He says, A universal promise this is to everyone who will trust the psalmist could take his stand upon the prom- that promise as he did. Since a universal promise, he could. And expect then God to protect him and make good his every element of the promise. The soloist who sang this to the congregation, now think of the temple, uh, think of the Hebrew structure at the temple, was supposed to have appropriated this promise by faith Just as a soloist today who brings a message and song certainly should be sincere and should mean everything that he sings. If he cannot sing it truthfully, he says, and from the depths of his heart, he should not bring any message at song, period. Question number nine ties right in with this. Should a person then singing a song, preaching a sermon, delivering a Sunday school lesson, have appropriated the lesson into his own heart and life if he is to deliver it to others? Yes. Yes. Tozier said Christians don't tell lies. They just go to church and sing them. Now, I know he was tongue-in-cheek, I'm probably thinking, but there is a lot of truth to that. Do we think about the words? And I found I've sung hymns and I stop on a verse. What is that? I've sung through and, and I've even said as a child, I would say the words wrong and, and just, I would just hear it wrong and say some kind of convoluted word and not really. Then I stop finally as an older person, see what the songwriter is saying. Jesus paid it all to him. All. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it all to him. I owe. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Oh, 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 just stop, just start here. Whoa. Does that mean that I am beholding? Yes, you are. You you are beholding to God for everything. Beholding means, uh, I don't know what, I I know what I'm thinking. Beholding means we owe him. He's done it all. He continues on. You may not want to hear it, but here it goes. Someone has said that more lies are told in the singing of psalms and hymns than any other way. One commentator says, I fear that there is more truth than poetry to this statement. Every worshiper should be very careful, it's in your outline, and should think about the sentiment of the song which he is singing before he attempts to repeat the words. If he cannot sing from the depths of his heart any song or any portion of it, he should not sing it. Tozier said, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us rather than the Christ within us. We should be singing from the heart. We should have a song to sing. Whether you can carry it, if you've read the devotionals, whether you can carry a tune in the bucket or not, one guy said, men need to learn whether they're singing in the shower or singing in public. And so he got inside. We all sing in public. I'm sing. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Experience the secret place. As we close up, we find then it says, uh, the secret, How wonderful to know then, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. How wonderful to know then uh, that when you get into trouble, when life starts caving in, when the pressures of life begin building, and when the problems come on, we can trust God. One uh, pastor said, The secret to praying is praying in secret. 
Learn this. Think about that. You are what you are in the secret place with God, no more, no less. That is very humbling, as it should be. You are no more. You, sorry, you are what you are in the secret place with God, no more, no less. It is in the secret place that our faith is deepened. Pastor Easley said, you show me somebody who has a deep faith in God, and I will show you somebody who has spent time in the secret place. You will never have a deep faith in God without spending time in the secret place. It is the secret place that our trust is developed. That is where you developed a trust in God in the secret place. My mom could trust the Lord through all her pain and suffering because every day of the week, she had her prayer sheet out and she spent, sometimes, I know she slept some, she would deny it mostly, sometimes, but she slept, she would spend the entire morning in this chair watching the birds and praying. And she had this long list of people. And I know sometimes she took a cat nap, a bird nap, however you want to call it. But that was, she was a spiritually mature mom because she had spent time with God. And it is a, a very high bar for me to ever attain to. I like what he says here. No time, no trust. Little time, little trust. Sometimes, some trust. Much time, much trust. And that's, it, it's, is it that simple? It's the, under, the, the idea is simple. Getting there is a lot of, a lot of work. But it's worth it. So, so experience and then enter into the, the secret place. So it's me and my shadow is the, time of, uh, the title of tonight's lesson, me and my shadow. Is our time alone with God designed that we might impress him with our spirituality? Have you heard people pray who wanted to be sounding spiritual? Dear Lord, we just want you to know how that we... I would never do that. On the other hand, I've heard people who got a hold of God's heart. I, want, I wanted Stephen Alford, who's dead now, on the altar of glory... I wanted him to pray. He had this marvelous voice. And he, he would, during the conference, he would, somebody asked me, he would stop and kneel down in front of everybody. We all stopped. And he would pray. I want to pray like that. That's what I am. But it, it's not a show. It's just talking with God. But it, it's, it's like, well, it's, what, what is God impressed with? He said in Luke 7, 9, Matthew 8, 10, he marveled at what? The centurion's Faith, yes. I have not found so great a faith in Israel. And what also marveled at, in John 6, 4, of his own country, their unbelief. He marveled at his faith and their lack of faith. He is not going to be impressed with your platitudes. You can get some, you can start going to the, you know, Babylon, whatever it is, that, that thing, I forget what it's called, the language thing where you can increase your language skills. And He doesn't want that. He wants your life. It's like if you've ever had somebody drive a car. Man, did you see the way I drove that car, Dad? Honey, I was driving cars before you used even a twinkle in your dad's eye. I know how to do that far better than you do. So when God says, when we think that we can somehow impress God, I knew you before, you was, before the world was even created. I knew you. Matter of fact, I gave you life. Matter of fact, you're alive because of me. Matter of fact, I died for you and you're going to heaven because of me. Now, what were you saying about I'm a really good prayer? He doesn't want that. He, he, want, he just wants to hear from us. We're not going to press him, so certainly we're not going to, we're not going to inform him. I like in your outline before we pray, the last part there, it says uh, he already knows. 
You say, well, if God already knows, why do I need to tell him? Here's why. Prayer is God's way of binding you to him and bonding him to you. That is the purpose of the secret place. Not to impress God, not to inform God, but to join God in what he is doing. Question 14, do you live under God's shadow? If you're living in the shadow of a little rabbit, you've not got a lot of coverage. Now, perhaps you could get a big brother like, like uh, The Rock Johnson, and I could probably get, sort of get behind him, and he could be, and I'd be okay, safe on that. But he that dwelt, the shadow of the Almighty. Hmm, I think that takes the cake. We can have confidence in that shadow. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that in the 1400s, about 1450, Gutenberg developed a printing press that allowed languages to be started to be printed. Thank you that we in America have the privilege of owning multiplicity of Bibles. But Lord, do we read the one that we have consistently? Lord, help me to do that. Help us to be people of your book. I believe the folks here, I, I believe that they do. I'm not, that's why they're here. That's why they're listening. That's why they answer questions, because they are people. But, Lord, we just, we're just scratched the surface in, in one life. Help us, Lord, to keep digging. May we be used for you. May not only the theology we know in our head be translated then into living that attracts those to you and then gives us opportunity to share what you can do for others with them. Give us safety as you go home, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.